Welcome back to Talking EHS, a podcast series from EHS Today, the magazine for environment, health, and safety leaders. I'm Dave Blanchard, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Today. Joining me on the podcast today is Nicole Stempak, EHS Today's Managing Editor. You can follow us every day at ehstoday.com for our regular coverage of occupational health and safety. Today on the podcast, Nicole and I will be comparing notes and offering up our thoughts on some of the most interesting sessions that we attended at the recent Safety 22 conference in Chicago, which was sponsored by ASSP. So with that, let's get started. So the COVID-19 pandemic had a huge negative impact on in-person events, as we all know. That has certainly been the case for the safety community. There actually weren't any in-person shows in the year 2020. In fact, I think that EHS Today's Safety Leadership Conference, which was in Dallas back in November 2019, that might have been the last significant in-person safety event for more than a year until the year 2021 when shows started taking place in person again. It's probably fair to say that last year there was still a, an overall sense that COVID was, wasn't really done with us yet, even if that, that, that feeling probably is still prevalent today in some cases. But it has been in 2022 that we've seen some of the big safety shows of the past returning to their former glory, so to speak. So today, Nicole and I are going to go over some of the highlights of the first big safety event of 2022. That would be ASSP's Safety 22 event, which was held recently in Chicago. And they did attract more than 4,000 live attendees. So that was that was great to see people interested in, and ready to come back to the show. I know this was your, uh, your second time at an ASSP event. Nicole, so what were some of your basic impressions from the show? So Dave, for me, the highlight of the show um, was at the end of the first day when I was leaving the breakout rooms and about to catch the shuttle bus um, when I had the pleasure of meeting Myra, the golden retriever. Um, ASSP Hmm. invited some therapy dogs. And well, for me, anytime I can interact with a dog is, you know, just a joyous occasion. (laughs) And you're like, it's well, it's like, wow, I I guess I really did need to give a four-legged animal some scritches. Um, but I don't think that's what you're asking about. So overall, I feel like the theme of this year's event was reconnecting. So the thing about annual conferences like ASSP is that it might be the one time of year when people see each other in person. Um, maybe they met at a previous conference or they used to work together or, you know, whatever. So while the educational aspect is important, so too is the ability to connect or reconnect and network. So a good example of that is I was in line at the McCormick Center Starbucks, you know, just like kind of standing there, maybe on my phone when the gentleman behind me just struck up a conversation with me. And uh, during that conversation, he called out to a passerby and they hugged and had their own brief conversation. And then afterward, he explained to me that the woman was someone he's known for years, but, you know, also hasn't seen in years. So it's just like a good reminder of the human element of safety conferences. 
So as you mentioned, this was my second ASSP conference. For the most part, I saw a lot of new faces. You know, last year's event was significantly smaller. And also most people were wearing masks last year. So it was harder to recognize um, people. But I was glad to see a few familiar faces. One of those was Trisha. Oh, I hope I say her last name right. Is Kragerer of Jordan Foster Construction. Uh, This year, she had a session titled Breaking the Bro Code, um, and she went through, she was on a panel last year for women in construction. So I'm really glad to see she's continuing to talk about women in safety. This year's session was um, based a bit on her book, The B Word, 13 Words Every Woman Must Navigate for Success. You know, and as a woman in the workforce, I do feel like there are a lot of obstacles to equality and equity. And uh, the session was packed. Um, They weren't enforcing every other seating this year. Um, But I was disappointed that it was mostly women in attendance. Um, I did sit next to a gentleman who said, um, like some of the others in the room when asked that they were attending in part because of their daughters you know, I'm encouraged by examples like that. And Trisha did mention that men need to sponsor women. And that was her story because when she started in construction, there were so few women um, that she really relied upon um, her male supervisors and colleagues to help her grow, you know, and it just can't be women supporting women because there aren't enough of us, um, especially in leadership positions. So this session was really cathartic for me. And I hope if Trisha or someone else has a session on women in the workforce next year um, or at another event that more men attend, because we all know and study after study proves this, that a more diverse organization translates into a better performing organization. And we know that can result in a more psychologically safe workplace, which is just, you know, kind of a win, win, win. Oh, absolutely, Nicole. In, in fact, it's it's interesting. I, I I went to a number of sessions myself. Some of them were directly focused on the topic of diversity. Some of them not so much from you know from the title. You wouldn't necessarily think that, but they also focused a lot on uh, the idea of inclusion and making sure that if you want an engaged workforce, you need to include everybody and and have everybody kind of speaking a similar language. There was a, a session I went to that I, I thought was excellent. It was from Monique Parker. Now, Monique is the vice president of EHS at Piedmont Lithium, a chemical manufacturing company. So she's, uh, you know, what we would call a safety leader. And she explained that, you know, diversity is not just about gender and race. Equity is not just about being fair. And inclusion is not just about being including. So she was, you know, speaking as a safety leader herself, Parker pointed out that without DEI, your safety initiatives are going to face some big roadblocks. Without DEI, you're not going to be able to reach your entire team or individuals. You're not going to be able to get their attention and keep it. Uh, engagement is just going to be minimal if people don't think that they can trust you or if they think that you don't speak credibly on issues that really affect everybody on the team they want to make sure that you know when you when you are talking about safety or, or anything else that you're talking to everybody not just people who look like you you know whether that be men talking to men or 
uh, people of, of the same race talking to each other and, and, and excluding whether de deliberately or unintentionally, but it, it, the, the message still comes across loud and clear. If you're not including everybody, then you're losing any chance of, of having full engagement. And on a safety team, uh, you know, as we've heard many, many times, everybody's got to kind of look out for each other. So Monique kind of emphasized that from, and again, this is from a safety professional's perspective. So it's, it's uh, very much rooted in uh, lessons learned. She says that diversity creates a healthy workforce. Equity increases employee retention and inclusion decreases workplace stress. So three benefits from paying attention and really embracing the idea of DEI. I know that, that gets a lot of eye rolls when, when, when it comes up in some meetings, but uh, absolutely there, there are some gains, especially for the safety profession from paying attention to it. What else did you hear that was interesting, uh, Nicole? So I really enjoyed hearing from Assistant Secretary of Labor, Doug Parker. Um, that was a, I guess you could call it a fireside chat um, with ASSP's Senior Media Relations Specialist, Blaine Craig, um, who conducted a wide-ranging interview with Doug. Um, I found it really insightful. And I mean, you can read OSHA's press releases and notices and other documents that they put out, but there's something to be said from listening to the person in charge um, and hearing it straight out of their mouth, you know, without any filters um, or go-betweens. So, I mean, Doug did have some talking points, uh, but he was also pretty frank about some recent and historical shortcomings at OSHA. And he also highlighted or previewed a bunch of actions his office is taking to rectify those. Um, including developing an infectious disease standard that can be used, you know, future pandemics or just, you know, in any other situation. And because we all hope there's not a COVID 2022. Um, and, <laughs> and like PPE fit for construction workers, especially for women. And as you were kind of alluding to, I mean, I know some of our listeners won't like what I'm about to say, but Doug did spend a significant amount of time talking about trying to embrace these ideas of total worker health and DEI initiatives and ESG. You know, so like it or not, that's where the field is heading and, and what um, priorities are kind of being set at from the top. Yeah, I thought it was a good move on, on, on Parker's part. Um, Again, I'm talking Doug Parker since I realized the previous speaker I was talking about was Monique Parker, so two Parkers. Uh, but uh, OSHA's, OSHA's Doug Parker definitely made a statement just by being there in person um, since he's fairly new at the job in the first place and to kind of have the head of OSHA appearing in public without wearing a mask, uh, taking questions from a large audience of people, safety professionals, all wanting to know uh, what what role is OSHA taking now and in the future uh, relative to their jobs and, and to their companies. Uh, I thought that was just uh, a smart and, and the kind of the right thing for him to do is to you know come, come there in person. So I think it's great that the people are able to come out in person, kind of re 
energize the whole profession that, you know, we're, we're in this for the long haul. And uh, I mean, we've, we've heard time and again, that, that safety has kind of led the way through the whole pandemic. Uh, and, and it was good that, that Parker kind of pointed out that, well, that is going to remain the case after the pandemic, uh, whenever that comes to an end, but that OSHA has got a lot more uh, initiatives going on and other ways of uh, ensuring that the workplace remains safe that go well beyond COVID-19 regulations and rules. Um, he mentioned that he had a meeting um, or perhaps a dinner, I think the night before with some of ASSP's like chapter committee chairs and that for his own sake, um, Doug Parker, after he left the conference, was going to a field office and was going to meet with um, some of his own employees. So it was just a really good model, I thought, of you know what it means to be a leader and kind of going and listening um, to. That was a that last point that you just mentioned, listening to people. I heard that in almost every single session, in one way or another, the idea of listening to people. And it's, it seems to be a, a lost skill. Let me just quickly touch on a couple other sessions that I attended. For instance, continuing on the, the idea of, of listening, went to a session on LGBTQ and the safety profession. It was presented by Bryce Griffler from Amazon and Bill Gettings from Zooks. They pointed out that half 50% of all LGBTQ workers remain closeted at work, and they tend to be 30% less engaged due to what they feel is an unwelcoming environment. Uh, another couple of statistics, these types of closeted and isolated workers are 73% more likely to leave their companies in the next three years. So when you talk about retention problems, that's definitely an issue to, to take under consideration. Uh, the two speakers, Griffler and Gettings, emphasized that all workers have to feel comfortable enough and feel that they can trust their safety leaders, that they can go to them in, in specific situations. They, they brought up just one example, and this I hadn't heard before, but when you think about it, you know, it, it's so important that you feel that you can trust your, your safety leaders Apparently, there are some gender-specific chemicals that can be harmful to testosterone levels. So if you are uh, undergoing any kind of a treatment or using any kind of, uh, or being exposed to any kind of these chemicals, that could be a, a harmful situation for a worker. And if you don't feel comfortable in sharing your situation with your manager, uh, it, it could lead to some health issues. I just wanted to, to bring that one up that the, we talk about diversity a lot and the whole issue isn't just, you know, people are different. We should all uh, be comfortable with, with, with each other and those sorts of, you know, high sounding platitudes. Uh, in many situations, there are distinct safety considerations that make it, you know, important for a safety leader to know and for their, their employees to also feel that they can share any of that kind of information with their leader and, and, and with the understanding that 
you know, personal issues need to remain personal. But when it becomes a safety issue, you have to have trust. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, prior to this job, commissioning a story about LGBTQ healthcare and like just the idea that if someone's wearing a binder or like biologically female and wanting to present as male, you know, like they're wearing a binder around their chest, you know, like they may be slouching and have poor posture. And for one of the sources interviewed, like that led to back problems. And I mean, we all know MSDs are problem enough and a lot of people in general have problems, but that, you know, you're altering your posture to, um, you know, to help you present in the way that you want to be. And then that could be kind of a safety hazard. But I mean, it is scary because, um, you know, people, people can feel uncomfortable, um, on both sides of the issue. And, you know, there is always a fear of coming out and, you know, it's not just a once and done affair. You have to come out constantly at the workplace and, um, you know, people can say things without realizing just how offensive they can be. Um, and part of that's just based on what they've grown up with. So like for me personally, I really dislike, even though it's a kind of a Midwestern thing, like, Hey guys, or like lady or gal, like those are often used in like diminishing capacities and are not like inclusive, um, of everyone who's in the room. So you know, just like even saying like, Hey y'all, or, um, if you're in the South, y'all, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, things like that too. What other sessions did you attend that you thought were particularly noteworthy? Well, probably my favorite session was lead like lasso developing your next generation mm-hmm. leadership star. So I'm a big fan of the Apple TV show, Ted Lasso, as you know, Dave, because I have been encouraging you, or I have encouraged you to watch it. And thank um, you for that. It was a great show. <laughs> yeah. So while we're all eagerly awaiting a release of the third and, you know, possibly last you yeah. know, season of Ted Lasso, I sought out camaraderie with other fans. And honestly, this presentation made me love Coach Lasso's leadership style even more. And you know, my apologies if I mispronounce their names, but presenters Wyatt Bradbury and Gabe Enarsian um, took a deep dive into Coach Lasso's interactions, you know, with his players, fellow coaches, um, boss, and, you know, even his own personal relationships. And you know, they dissected key moments from the first two seasons, you know, like that dart scene um, that really show rather than just tell why Coach Lasso is such a great leader, you know, personalized gifts of books to his players. And I mean, uh, I don't know, Ted Lasso is is just like a really brilliantly written character. And um, he's optimistic, he's kind, but I think most importantly, he's flawed. Um, and for all of those reasons and Jason Sudeikis's performance, no, he's definitely someone I want on my team because of, and not in spite of, um, his own physical and mental health struggles. And I really liked how this presentation was crafted and, you know, tracing plot lines and character developments and, and story arcs. 
But I think most of all, it's just like a good reminder of how there are lessons we can learn from others beyond the realm of safety, like especially what it means to be a good leader and like a good examples of customer service. Um, we don't have to just like look um, only within ourselves. There are lessons that we can learn and adapt from others, um, you know, in the real world and in the fictional world, whether it be like on screen or on stage um, or on paper. Yeah. If we all worked for a Ted Lasso, <laughs> it would be a much easier uh, to get to gain that kind of full engagement that, that we always talk about in, in the safety world. Because uh, Lasso's whole emphasis is engaging with everybody and engaging with them where they where they are, not uh, making them come to him, but him him going to them. I'm going to kind of focus on uh, a session that I thought just had a, a great title and kind of segues it maybe a little bit with, with, with the session you're talking about that you were talking about there, Nicole. And this one was from uh, Pam Walaski, a, a consultant with specialty technical consultants. And her session was titled, Are You Ready to Lead Safety Differently? So she started out with a very provocative premise. What can you do if your employees aren't engaging with you? And she challenged everybody in the, in the audience to consider that maybe it's not your workers. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the problem. She pointed out that many, many leaders, not, not necessarily safety leaders, but leaders in general, have an adversarial relationship with some of their workers. It's, you know, that us versus them mentality, the, that the workers just aren't doing what I, what I told them to do. Uh, not, not figuring out why that might be, but just taking an adversarial approach. Uh, she pointed out very succinctly, that's only going to widen the gap. Uh, if, if your goal is full engagement, having that kind of a, a adversarial relationship is not going to help it at all. So uh, Pam referenced the work of a number of, of well-known management gurus, such as Sidney Decker and the Safety Differently movement, Todd Conklin's Human and Organizational Performance, Amy Edmondson's Psychological Safety and the work that they've done on those different initiatives and projects. But the bottom line, according to Walaski, is that it's not the worker's responsibility to create an environment where they feel comfortable speaking up. You have to do that. You being the safety leader, the safety manager, or the director, or whoever is in charge of workplace safety, that's their job. And I, I really love this. It's a, it's a, it's a small three words, but it's a great quote. Inclusion precedes accountability. So Pam believes that problems can be solved through successful engagement of workers. And she says that the con that conversation, the simple act of, of listening, I guess, um, as well as, as engaging with your, with your workers, that's the tool for how to change the current dynamic from adversarial to engagement is, is simple conversation. I thought that was a great way to kind of summarize maybe the theme of, of the Safety 22 show, just focusing 
on the relationship between workers and their their managers, the relationship between uh, there's some there's some great sessions I won't get into because in the interest of time, but some of the sessions kind of focused on where does the safety leader kind of fit within the whole corporate hierarchy, and it's it's important and it seems to be becoming even more important as the pandemic kind of just keeps happening that the safety professionals have really kind of led the charge for all companies on on keeping people at work, keeping them safe and, and keeping the companies profitable and productive. So um, that's kind of where I, I think we can kind of wrap it up. Any final words, Nicole? I have a lot of them, um, but I guess maybe one thing is I noticed that, and this is, we're all looking for this after the past two years, we want to know what's coming. And so we seek out those kind of future forward-looking forecasts, you know, kind of ideas. And I went to one of those sessions and I was sitting in there and I was like, expecting to hear something like divine, like, you know, from a burning bush, you know, <laughs> but a lot of the things that the speakers mentioned are things we already know. Um, and it's, I just thought it was a good reminder that like the future isn't entirely unknown. It's about learning to like spot these emerging trends and stay up on trends that could become emerging and that like the future isn't certain, right? Like that's the whole point. So right now, I don't think there's a better example of that than all these talks we're hearing about the recession because there are a lot of mixed indicators um, about whether we're headed for one or not. And, you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert in economic policy by any means, but like even those experts don't know the future. Though there are, you know, things that they can look to to make their educated guesses um, and predictions, but there are also things like self-fulfilling prophecies and confirmation bias. And I think as it pertains to safety, I just think it means that a lot of the things we're seeing now, like heat hazards, climate change, ESG and diversity, equity and inclusion, they will likely have a role to play in the future of the workplace, of the future of workplace safety. But exactly what that is remains to be seen. And it's in large part for us to shape and define it, which is exciting, but it's also a reminder of our individual you know, and collective responsibility to create a safer workplace and create a safer world, a better world for everyone. So I think sometimes we get so focused on finding out what's coming that we forget our own role in it. And that, you know, a lot of those recommendations at that session, like I was expected to like, you know, run that back and, and, you know, tell my people about it, but like they were, they were things we already know and have already been coming. So like the idea that trends take a while to happen um, and certainly some of them don't pan out, but the act of staying informed and being open to new ideas and asking questions and constantly being focused on how to make the workplace safer is one thing that like most safety professionals are already doing, but, you know, to remind us that that's the core of, you know, of what they are doing, ought to be doing, will be doing in the future. So more of the same, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was very well summarized and stated. I think that's exactly right that 
a lot of, a lot of times we're not hearing anything that we haven't heard before, but are we taking it to heart? Are we actually listening to our employees? Are we actually listening to each other when, especially on the topic of, of workplace safety? Uh, I, I guess that's, that's a small theme and it's the biggest theme of all. Um, we could say that we're hearing things that we, we should have already heard about and knew about forever. And at the same time, you could hear something, you know, for every day of your life, but until it really sticks and, and takes root and you, you, you make it part of your own daily leadership style, then, then it, it's just, it's just words. I, I think that was a, one of the great lessons from safety 22 is, is putting it all together and, and, and taking it back to the workplace, as you said. So that's going to wrap it up for our brief but hopefully insightful summary of some of the, the sessions that we saw at Safety 22. And I would certainly be remiss if I didn't point out that if you're in search of more networking opportunities with other safety professionals, you should consider attending this year's Safety Leadership Conference in Cleveland, Ohio, October 18th through 20th. You can get all the details that you want at safetyleadershipconference.com. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you.